I cannot be understood in isolation of the universe. Therefore, what's in, what is the nature of the universe? Meaning, where is it born? Who is the agent of creation? What is the material cause? So in this manner, then answer was found that I am not this body, I am not this mind, I am not the sense organs. I am someone who is totally distinct from all of this. In other words, I am the one who possesses characteristics that are quite distinct, quite contrary to this body-mind-sense complex. Therefore, I am someone different from them. <coughs> what about the universe? Well, the universe is katham jatam. How is it born? It is born because of ignorance and from ignorance. So ignorance is the cause of the universe. <coughs> Sankalpo vidhakarta. From the ignorance, what is born is sankalpa. May have this, may have that, may... So, that sankalpa, the desire, is what in fact is the reason why the universe is what it is. See, there are two things. Number one, that the material cause of the part is clay. At the same time, the reason why the part is what it is, or what shape it is, what is decided by the sankalpa. It is the pot maker that decides what it is that I want. There were two things going to making this pot. The material, namely clay, as well as the desire to have a particular kind of pot. So material that goes into making universal ignorance and the desire may be like this, may be like this, is what determines the actual configuration of the universe. Alright. What's the most fundamental essence? You say that ignorance is the material cause, the cause. The desire is the reason why we have the configuration which decides the specifics. Meaning, ignorance is the universal aspect of everything and the desire of Sankalpa is the particular aspect. <coughs> What's the cause of all of this? Ekam, Sukshmam, Sadavyam, the ultimate cause, the ultimate substrate of all of this is one subtle existence which is imperishable. So this is how vichara has been initiated. <coughs> In that process first was carried out because in saying, who am I? What I said is that, Naham Bhuta Gano Dehaha, I am not this body, which is the product of the five elements. Nor am I the sense organs, nor am I the mind, which are also produced from the five elements. So then, that is how you separate the I from the non-I. Because of ignorance, both of them are as a lumped together. And therefore, first step is the need to assert, I am not this body, I am distinct from that. So there is a whole section where it was asserted, I am not this body. So, looks at life and sees what is happening. 
how atma is so distinctly different from body or anatma that there is no logical possibility of one confusing one for the other. I mean, pot is such an object, totally, I can never confuse pot to be myself, I can never say I am pot. And worse than that, the characteristics of body are so contrary to characteristics of atma that really it just does not logically make sense that someone may take this body to be atma. By the way, there is, we have this seat here, then back jack. If someone wants to use that, uh, you can use it. That's why it isn't brought. Okay. So, then you use Akwaha. Okay, if you need it, then take it. I mean, you know. Oh, there's one more capitalism. In case anyone needs. So author is exp- author expresses surprise. Look at the glory I shouldn't say glory, but look at the impact of ignorance. That what is impossible has become possible in our lives. Right? Atma is totally distinct from the body-mind-sense complex. Having characteristics that are totally contradictory, contrasting the anatma or non-self, where it just doesn't make sense that one can take this body to be the self. And still that's what we find. We find the impossible thing in our inner life. That what is anatma like a part and never take it to be myself. And the body also falls in that category as an object. And I take it to be myself. If the body deserved to be called the self, if the body-mind-sense complex had the characteristics, but there was some similarity, then you can confuse one thing for the other. You can confuse the rope for the Some similarity should be there. There is no similarity. The body is made up of so many ingredients, so many limbs, and atma is free from all, is, is formless. Is devoid of, is niravayava, devoid of all the avayavas or limbs. The body is external, is an object, atma is subject. The body is impure, made of, you know, based on impure things. Atma is ever pure. The body is inert, atma is eliminated. The body is mitya, unreal, atma is real. So with all these kind of totally contradictory characteristics, how can it be that the I take this body to be atma? Indeed, that is the work of ignorance. So this is how ignorance manifests in our life. So Agnana Prabhu, everything is a product of ignorance, is shown here how ignorance simply prevails in our life. 
because we entertain about ourselves the notions or conclusions which have no logical basis at all. <coughs> so ignorance creates such a delusion that you simply take something for what it is not. <coughs> All right. So then, what should we do? What should we, if I am not the body, then what, who am I? How should I know myself? Brahmaivam samashantah satchidananda lakshana You say, I am not the body, I am not the mind, who am I? Brahmaivam, I am Brahma. Samaha, equanimous, equally present everywhere. Shantaha, ever tranquil. Satchidananda lakshana, I am nature of Satchit ananda. I am not this body, which is mithya. I am satya, I am real. Nirvik, I am changeless, I am formless, I am ever pure, I am imperishable. Not this body, which is impure, unreal. So this is how, first, I am not the body. Then who am I? Satchidan, Niravayo, Niravhasaha, Nirguna, Nishkriya, Nitya, Nirmalaha, Anantaha. So this is how the knowledge of the self should take place by distinguishing the self from the non-self. So therefore, now the teacher says, hey, come on, may you know yourself in this manner. Addressing some materialist who says, body is atma, body is a self, there is no self or no consciousness, nothing other than body, this is what it is. So the body is not, self is not. Or even beyond that, somebody says, Atma, there is no Atma at all. What it is, the Shunya. So then he asks, how can you say this is Shunya? Look at this body. Swadehe Shobhanam Santam. The body may whatever it is, it may be impure, it may be perishable, it may be changing, but still it serves an excellent, wonderful purpose. That it is seed of manifestation of Atma, of consciousness, of limitless. So this extremely limited entity nevertheless is a seat of manifestation, limitless. And so don't you realize that? Don't, can you go not go beyond the body and recognize that there is something, because of it the body is alive, something that gives the body, you know, makes it sentient, something, so don't you see that fact? Shutya, yukta, yuktya, see, asks us, Mashrutya, look, the scripture tells you what the nature of Atma is. Yukti, and if you apply the reasoning properly, then also you can see what the nature of Atma is. So various Shrutis and Yuktis were told. So how this thought process is proceeding? <clears throat> what is Atma? Aham Sabdena Vikyadaha. That which which everybody is familiar. Everybody is familiar with Atma. Atma is experienced by everybody at all the times. How? Aham Sabdena Vikyadaha. Aham 
the very aham or I, atma is the content of I. It is one. The egos may be many. The ornaments may be many. But the content of ego is what? The witness, the consciousness is one. Just as gold is one, similarly there is only one I in all the living beings. Drashtu daya I am the drashta, the witness. The body is witnessed. I am one. The body is an aggregate of many. I am changeless. This body is always changing. So this is the yukti or the reasoning to establish that the body cannot be atma, then I am distinct from the body and I am this one changeless principle. A number of quotations are given from the Upanishad. Because as you say, we are not proving what atma is, we are not proving what God is by reasoning. Our knowledge of the nature of self or our knowledge of the nature of Ishvara is based on Shruti and the scripture. And then we provide supporting reason to realize that yes, that makes sense. We do not arrive at what Ishvara is or Atma is through reason. But the Shruti reveals the nature of self. Yasmat paramna paramastikinjit yasman naniyonit jayavastikasit. That is one above which there is nothing, below which there is nothing, other than which there is nothing. One that is changeless and sustaining and pervading everything. So this is how the Upanishad reveals the nature of self. That is our basis. It makes sense that there has to be one principle that sustains. There has to be a changeless principle that sustains all the changes. Change cannot be the ultimate reality. The change has to be sustained by the unchanging. The many cannot be the ultimate reality. Duality cannot be the ultimate reality. Division, you are different, I am different, you exclude me. I, that cannot be the ultimate reality because my heart does not accept it. Swamiji, nobody loves duality. We never love the division. So when I am interacting with somebody, you feel division. I think this person doesn't like me. I think person doesn't want me. Moment that division, I feel this uncomfortable. I feel comfortable only when there is harmony and oneness with whatever it is that I am interacting with. It is not so. Our heart loves oneness. Our heart is not comfortable, doesn't want separatedness, doesn't want division. So, if we in fact examine the urge in our heart, it is very clear that we only love non-duality, we love oneness. We do not love duality, we do not love division, we do not love to exclude, like to be excluded, and I am not happy to exclude somebody also. I may exclude somebody out of anger or resentment, I don't know, but I am not happy with it. Therefore, exclusion we do not want. So we, if we really look at the urge in our heart, it becomes clear that 
the Dvaita or non-duality is what we love and that is what we are trying all the time. The effort in our life, we are striving constantly to create non-duality as, you know, because we find duality at a given level. And since we are not comfortable with duality, all over along we are trying to create non-duality. Whether you can create or not, we are trying. By forming a family, you know, this one idea. You know, so, so men and women get married and they have a family. You know, that's the idea of creating the non-duality. That I have a family unit where I feel one with them. And then I have a larger family. I have this group and that group and this club. Whatever club, whatever things we are doing. All of these are social, whatever it is, our attempts to, in some way, establish oneness. That's what we want. Of course, there are people who are perhaps unintelligent and who may have their mind that are so pathetically distorted that they may take some satisfaction creating divisions. That may be so, but normally nobody wants that. So this is how when we look, apply the reasoning, then we find that what the Upanishad reveals alone makes sense and nothing else. So this is how our Shraddha or the trust in the statements of the Upanishads become firm. That we don't simply swallow them or accept them without thinking. At the same time we do not apply any kind of thinking. We always apply the supporting logic. <coughs> so that way Atman, Atma, Viveka is carried out that Atma is different from an Atma. When that is done, then question arose. You think Atma is different from Atma, body is different, my Atma itself is different from body, mind, sense complex. Are you then implying that Atma is one entity, Anatma is another entity? When you say Atma is different from Anatma, what kind of difference do you mean? When you say Atma, it's different from Anātmā, that I am different from this body-mind complex. What kind of difference do you mean? The difference with which we are familiar is this, that when part is different from cloth, then cloth also is different from part. When part is different, say I am not the cloth, cloth says I am not the part. So difference with which we are familiar is the difference of Mutual exclusion. Therefore, when now Vedantin says that Atma is different from Anatma, distinct from Anatma, untouched by Anatma, then the difference with which we are familiar is, our conclusion would be that Anatma also is different from Atma. Atma stands apart from Anatma and anātmā stands apart from ātmā, that will be our conclusion. So that poses another problem. If anātmā stands, if the world stands apart from ātmā, the body-mind-sense complex stands apart from ātmā, then just as pot enjoys its own existence and cloth enjoys its own existence, then ātmā enjoys its own existence, Anātmā enjoys its own existence. That means that there are two independent realities. And then there is, we are coming back to Dvaitam or, or duality.
So then the Vedantin has to explain what is the nature of difference between Atma and Atma. The difference is not the difference between pot and cloth. For the simple reason that the duality or difference that we are talking about, that pot is different from cloth and cloth is different from pot, that would be so. Usually, if part is different from cloth, then cloth also will be different from part. That is true. When will it be true? When the part and cloth enjoy the same degree of reality. If the part and cloth enjoy the same degree of reality, then part is different from cloth, cloth is different from part. But when you talk of clay and part, when clay says, I'm different from the part, I'm not the part, I'm different from, look at part, it has a shape, form, I'm formless. Look at the part, it's limited in, in this location, I'm not limited. This clay can claim, or proclaim rather, its distinction from the part. That is true. But now can we say that the part is different from clay? Meaning that Atma and Anatma do not enjoy the same degree of reality. If they did, then of course the separation will be real. As it turns out, Atma has a reality which is Paramadika Sattva, absolute reality. Anatma has a reality which you call the Vyavaharika Sattva, the objective reality, relative reality. In Vedantic terms, we could say that Atma is Satyam, Anatma is Mithya. The rope is Satyam, the snake is Mithya. Or clay is Satyam, pot is Mithya. Satyam is different from Mithya, but Mithya is not different from Satyam. That's a very unique equation in Vedanta. Usually what we are familiar with is, if one is different from the other, other also is different from this one. That's what we know, the difference we know, but no. Here is a different kind of difference. The clay is different from pot, but pot is not different from clay because clay enjoys independent existence, pot only has a dependent existence. Clay is whether pot is there or not. Pot is because clay is. Pot is not when clay is not. This is called Nvaya Vitareka. The method of agreement and disagreement. That pot is when the clay is Anvaya. Pot is not, clay is not Vitareka. So that simple reasoning establishes what is dependent and what is independent. Pot is when the clay is. Pot is not when the clay is not. Or clay is when the pot is. Clay is even when the pot is not. That means clay is independent of pot. And pot is dependent upon clay. What is independent is called satyam. What is independent is called mithya. So in this example, clay is satyam. Pot is mithya. So satyam is different from mithya. But mithya is not 
different from satyam because mitya is not independent of satyam. So that is what is to be understood now. That in spite of clay being different from part, there is no duality between part and clay. You follow? In spite of clay is different from part, part does not stand apart from clay, and there is no division between the two. So atma stands apart from everything. Asangvayam vayasangaha. Untouched, untainted, by any limitations, by any shortcomings, by any defects of anātmā, at the same time, anātmā does not pose a duality. And therefore, that is what we are to call the non-duality, in spite of duality. Duality, not in absence of, non-duality, not absence of duality, it is there, of course. If duality is not there, of course it is there. If part is not there, clay, of course, is there. But clay alone is in spite of parts. So clay alone is in spite of parts, not only only in the absence of part. If clay was there only in absence of part, and when part comes and the clay doesn't remain, then it's a different kind of a situation. But here, clay alone is. Whether part is, or part is not. Meaning that the presence of the part does not in any way create a sense of separatedness or a sense of limitation in clay. Clay abides in its own glory of all non-duality, all pervasiveness, in spite of the part being there. <coughs> so there is no nanatvam, there is no duality. In the universe, there is no nanatam, no duality. The Upanishad proclaims it in so many words. Upanishads ascertain, assert the non-duality and condemn the duality. Two things are there. They praise non-duality and condemn the duality. Gachari the one who gives reality to duality. At first sight looks like the world is different from me. At first sight the world is different, it is different from me. Depends on your definition of me. world is different from me if I confine myself to this body, mind, sense of Yes, it is different. But I is really I am. It's body, mind, sense complex I am not. I am just the consciousness which is no form, which is no location. Then all there is, is one. So depends on where I am coming from. See, the way I perceive the world, is determined by the way I perceive myself. If I perceive myself as confined to this body-mind, then whatever is outside the boundary of this body is outside of me. Like this little part, as long as things that the clay things, I am confined to this form only, so long this part is different from clay, different from this part. 
But if the pot recognizes that I'm not confined in this form, I'm clay. Form is not my nature. Clay is my nature. When this pot recognizes, then what? It recognizes, hey, I'm very much present in this pot also, in that pot also, in all parts also. I'm sarvavyapi, and I pervade everything, in the self of everything. Then duality doesn't remain. So not, duality is because of ignorance. And when the knowledge takes place, realize that all there is is one, that's the self. <coughs> so that is how the nature, the dvaita mithyatvam, that dvaita, the non-self, is mithya, and therefore it cannot create, cause a sense of division. As in spite of dvaita world being there, there is still non-duality. Then the thought proceeds. Okay, then what about this jagat? You say there is not separate. What is it then? So we are now on verse 49, as we were seeing yesterday. Let us read that verse. So now the next section establishes that this world is nothing but Atma. All pots are nothing but clay. All waves are nothing but water. Or this universe of names and forms is nothing but Brahman or Atma. <coughs> so, depending on how we look at the world, as I say, my perception of the world is determined by my perception of myself. If I look upon myself as an individual conscious being, then the world is different from me. My perception changes that I am, there is no individuality in consciousness. Individuality is all in this body, mind, sense, complex, you know, individual consciousness. That I am formless, changeless, consciousness, then I include everything. As long as I can, I confine myself to this one body, mind, sense, so long I excluded everything. But when my perception of myself changes, just as this part's perception of itself changes, I am clay, and how it finds itself pervading everything. So also, when my perception of myself changes, I realize that the universe also is the same. I am Brahman, universe also is Brahman. That is how there is no duality. If I am one entity, universe is different entity, of course there is duality. So the author shows, enables us to see, now makes us see how not only you are Brahman, but Jagat or universe also is Brahman. <coughs> So it says, Brahmana Sarva Bhutani Jayante Paramatmana Tasmadetani Brahmeva Bhavanti Tyavadhare So now, what is this part? 
Question is, what is this part? Then to, in, to understand the nature of part, you perform an inquiry like this. Kasmat jatam, where is this part born of? What sustains this part? What is the abiding aspect of this part? The part has two aspects. One is a changing aspect, other is the abiding or unchanging aspect. What is the changing aspect? Right now this object has certain form which we call part. Falls away from hand and breaks down. You call it by a different name, you call them shards, you call some other name. And further we pound it, becomes powder. Further you subdivide it, become molecules, atoms, whatever. But during all the stages, one thing remains constant. It's clay, the clayness is never given up. One thing that the object can never give up is the clayness. As far as the name and form is concerned, it is subject to change. That it is clay is not subject to change. Therefore, what we call part, there is a changing aspect and there is a changeless aspect. <coughs> Therefore, what is this part? <coughs> What is the part? Is the form the part or the clay the part? <clears throat> Some people say that what do you mean part is clay? You can't fill water in clay, can you? Can you carry water in clay? Can you fill water in clay? How can there is only clay? That's an emotional issue, you know. But objective issue is what? Emotional is one thing, objective is another thing. See, Vedanta is not emotional people. No science, everybody, anybody who wants to know the truth is always an objective person. I mean, in the level, in the pathology laboratory, when you are examining blood sample, it's blood sample. So the technician is no difficult in, you know, only when it comes to know this blood, my wife's blood, then something happens there. Then you cannot remain objective anymore. To remain objective, even then the party's usefulness is because of what? It's because of clay. And therefore, what this object is, is clay. That it is a form, its usefulness is incidental. That it is clay is inherent. <coughs> so this is how we come to the conclusion that what is part? That from which it is born, by which it is sustained, under which it goes back, which is the abiding aspect of the part. The unchanging aspect of the part is the reality of the part. <coughs> For Vedantin, you know what is meant by objectivity? Vedantin defines satyam as abhaditam, that which cannot be negated, that which is not subject to change. 
So anything that is subject to change, anything that can negate it cannot be true. However, you know, when it is mine, yours, and oh, don't have this. So you go to take this ornament, goldsmith, and then, you know, you will sell it somehow. It's a painful thing. That's what takes it and puts it in a pen. Hey, this is given by my mother. As far as goldsmith is concerned, it's just gold, you know. So similarly, what is truth? That which cannot be negated. Formerly it was with your mother, now it's with you, now it's with me, now tomorrow it's with somebody else. That's changing aspect. That is change, is that, you know, that is the changeless aspect. So what cannot be negated, what does not change is called satyam. Usefulness is not consistent. That this thing is available filling water as long as it possesses this form. If form changes and you can't fill water in this. So usefulness is what? Transitory. Its nature is sustaining. So abhaditam satyam. In anything that is called satyam or truth or real which cannot be negated which does not change. In this one, only clay cannot be negated. Never clay satyam. Similarly, we will see what is this universe. Brahmana sarupani jayante bhutani. All the beings are born of Brahman. Brahmana paramatmana. Brahman, there is paramatma. There is atma, so Brahman alone. So that is necessary to say. So the equation here in this verse 49, Brahmanaha Paramatmana. So Brahmanaha, which case is this? Which case is Brahmanaha at the back? What's the case of the word Brahmanaha? Fifth case. Oh, which word is that? Ah. Paramatmana, which case is that? Paramatmana, which case is that? Fifth? Or which word? Paramatmana. So both of them are one case, this Samadhikaran. Meaning both the words refer to one entity. So Brahmana, Paramatmana. So Brahman, there is Paramatma. You see, that's what it means. Brahmana, Brahmana, Paramatma. From Brahman, there is Paramatma. Sarabhutani, Jayanti. All the beings are born. As Taitiri Upanishad would say, Tasmadva e Tasmad Atmanaha Akasya Sambhuta. Tasmad Brahman e Tasmad Atmanaha. So Brahman, that Brahman which is itself from there, the universe is immersed. So this verse also tells us, this is called Anuvada. So reiterating what is stated in the Upanishad, no need to say Paramatmanaha. But this is referred to Taitya Upanishad. Brahmana, Paramatmana. Brahman is not something else. It is Atmana, is myself. And Atma is not an individual. Paramatmana. Param means what? Free from the limitation of time, place, and objectivity. So Atma is Paramatma. The self is limitless. Free from limitation of time, place, and objectivity. That Atma, which is Brahman, 
From that, the universe emerges, by which it is sustained, and to which it goes back. So it's Brahman, or Paramatma is what we call the material cause, a definition. Clay is the material cause because the pot is born of clay, sustained by clay, merges back into clay. So also the Upanishad says, the universe is, it emerges from Brahman, sustained by Brahman, merges back into Brahman, in Brahman there is Atma. So Brahman or Atma becomes what? The material cause, the Atma of the universe. So clay is the material cause, also clay is the Atma of this part, you know. With Atma of this part. Clay is the Atma or the self of this part. Because clay, a part cannot be without clay. So similarly, if Brahman or the Atma is the material cause of the universe, it amounts to saying that Brahman or the Atma is the self of the universe. Who is Atma? I. I am the self of the universe. Avadhara May you see this? Avadhara So the teacher is now telling the disciple, Avadhara May you come to this understanding. May you come to this conviction. Tasmādetāni brahmayabhavanti Since all these beings, things and beings, are born from Brahman, sustained by Brahman, they merge back into Brahman. Therefore, Brahman is the material cause. So just as you should note that all the parts are nothing but clay, similarly, may you know that this universe is nothing but Brahman. Helping us to change our perception. Our perception is that this is what it is. Universe is all diversity and all you know, variety, diversity, disparity, that's all it is. So no, look at closely. Look at everything closely. In everything, there is a changing aspect. There is also the changes aspect. In you and me, in anything. What is changing aspect? The name and form. What changes in aspect? Not clay. Even clay also changes. The clay was just an example. But clay also doesn't remain ever the same. It also changes. What is it that does not change? Asti, Bhati, Priya. That is, so regardless of what happens to his past name and form, whether it is part, whether it is shard, whether it is powder, the fact that it is that isness never goes away. You can never deny isness of something. Even though all changes may take place, that is, pot is, clay is, molecule is, atom is, electron is, boson part is, that isness never goes. Because what you do, you cannot deny is. So undeniable, non-negative is the truth of this. How do you know that it is? I know, because it shines. It has the bhati. So therefore, now when you evaluate something, 
avagharet. Don't simply evaluate something by its external appearance. Bring your mind. Ask, what is it in reality? Don't simply judge this object chain from external appearance and say it is chain. Realize that it is gold. Then bangal also is gold. Earring also is gold. The whole universe of ornaments is born of gold, sustained by gold, which is back into gold, is nothing but gold. And thus, they are asking us how to see. Vimudaha, nanu pashyandi, pashyandi, jnana chakshusha. The deluded fellows, only give reality to what they see, they don't see. Even that is there, but they don't see. They apply the knowledge also, buddhi also, and understand what the eyes are revealing. There's no doubt eyes are revealing many things, manyness. But in that manyness, in that form, etc., that is revealed, what is the abiding aspect? What's the truth about this? Asti bhati avadhare. May you have this conviction that etani brahmaya bhavante, all of these are nothing but brahman. <coughs> no, nama rupkarna bhedena vishitrani bhutani. So the question arises that when we look at this universe, everything is different from everything else. Every entity has a name, has a form, and has a role or a function. Everything has a name, a form, and a function. The table has a name, a form corresponding to the name table, and a function that it sustains all these books and stuff like that. That's the purpose itself. The universe. Anything that is there has these three aspects, a name, a form, and a function. Because nothing is redundant. In the creation of Ishvara, Ishvara being omniscient, intelligent, therefore nothing that is created is redundant. Therefore everything has a function or a role to play. Therefore, every object can be described by these three parameters, Nama, Rupa, Karma. Everything has a name, a corresponding form and a function. So question is when everything is so different from everything else. I see no similar, no oneness, no similarity at all. Nama, Rupa, Karma, Vedena, Vichitrani, Bhutani. Vichitana is sort of variegated being and things are there, each having its own name, form and function. How do you say they are all one? So that question is answered in the next verse. Brahmaiva sarva dhamani Rupani vividhani chayad Karmanya Pisamagrani, 
So, the Upanishad says, it's not quoted here, otherwise it is translated, of course, almost all statements of Shruti. But Trayamvayadam, this universe is what? Consisting of these three things, Nama, Rupam, Karma. The name, form and function. So, Upanishad reduces the whole thing to three. We may have many varieties. This is good and bad and this saint and sinner and good and you know, all kinds of differences we have. Brahma, Kshatriya, this, that, all kinds of differences we have. White and black and, you know, man and woman, this, that, that. First of all, it reduces to only three common aspects. Everything and anything can be described as having a name, a form, and a function. Doesn't matter man or woman, young or old, sentient or insentient, precious or useless. Whatever it is, this three will always be there. Nama, Rupa, Kasi, what a nice way of, uh, of classifying. See, the way to understand something is to classify. Otherwise, it's, it's such diversity, if you want to understand each individual thing, it's impossible. Therefore, we find that nothing, anything can be described as name, form and function. That's how the universe is. So, Brahmiva Sura Namani Rupani Vitani Cha Karmani Api Samagrani, the verse says, all the names are Brahman. Vividani, Rupani, all the variety of forms also are Brahman. Karmani, all the karma functions also are Brahman. How do you say that? Because Vibharti, Shruti Jagav, Shruti Jagav, Brahmaiva Samagrani, Vibharti. Because Brahman sustains all the names sustains all the forms, sustains all the actions. Therefore, name, form and action is not apart from Brahma. For example, the clay alone sustains a pot. Clay alone sustains a pitcher. Clay alone sustains any other kind of thing. Therefore, they are not apart from clay. Similarly, it is Brahman that sustains all names, all forms, and all functions. Meaning a name, just as a part, cannot be without the clay which sustains it. So also, names, forms, or functions cannot be without Brahman. Brahman sustains them all. How? Is Brahman sustaining names and forms and functions? As Asti, Bhati, Priyam. Whatever name is, name is. Name shines. Name is there. 
form is, form shines, form is there, function is, functions is known. Shines mean is known. Useful, there. So number one, the name and form and function can never be apart from isness. For anything to be, isness must be there. Part is. Isness has to be there. How do you say it is? Because it is known, it shines. Swasti and bhati and priyam, they all go together. So, this object, you don't call it part. What do you call it? Name, form and function. This thing is what? Name, form and function. Name, so, rather than giving individuals the name, form and function. They are sustained by asti bhadi, by Brahman. Therefore, the whole universe is sustained by Brahman. Therefore, the whole universe, in spite of the diversity, Names are countless, forms are countless, functions are countless. It's for all diversity. And disparity, something is good, something is bad, something is great, something is... All diversity, all of them are all sustained by asti, bhati, priyam, brahman. Therefore, in spite of the division and diversity, apparently what is, is brahman. So, same example is given in next verse. Simple example that we can understand. Suvarna jayamanasya Suvarna tvamcha shashvadam Brahmano jayamanasya Brahmatvamcha tathamave Surana Jayamanasya, what is born of gold? Suratum de Shashvatam. So, see these words. Suvarna Jayamanasya, that which is born of gold, of that, Suratum de Shashvatam, the goldness is Shashvatam, is imperishable. Whatever is born of gold, that thing's goldness is eternal, imperishable. So this bangle is born of gold. In this bangle, the gold is what? Shashvatam. Bangle also is a name and a form and a function. There is no Shashvatam. There is what? There is only incidental, changing. But what is born of gold? The goldness is what? Is very essence. Changes. Similarly, what is Brahman? Brahman Brahmanness is essential. <coughs> Brahmano Jayamanasya, Brahmattam Chalthavai. Similarly, what is all born of Brahman? The Brahmattam, Astibhadi Priyatvam, is Shashvatam, is eternal. And names, forms, and functions come and go. <coughs> In spite of this, all right, you say that there is non-duality. Suppose, you know, I don't accept it. 
what is the contribution of this non-duality in my life? Tell me. Why do you insist upon this? Why do you insist upon establishing that there is only non-dual one without a second as the basis of everything? Why do you insist upon that? And that non-dual is not out there, no, is mine and myself, meaning I am alone everything, understand? Even though the word Brahman is used, but if Brahman is non-dual, then Brahman has to be myself, otherwise it will be dual. So in essence, what the Upanishad is saying is that self alone is. So even though we say everything is Ishvara, what is Ishvara? Better than that is what? What is is self. That's when the equation, the loop is complete. Ishvara still remains an entity other than me. When we use the word God or Ishvara, still everything is... There was the ultimate thing will be what? What is? But that's a little difficult to swallow. So begin with this. What is? Is the self. What is? Is I. Then only there can be non-duality. If what is Ishvara and I am I, then also there can be some problem. What is? Is the self. So, why such an insistence on non-duality? If someone does not respect the non-duality, someone continues to take duality as what will happen? I'm living my life every day. I, I never knew non-duality. I never, I never, it never came in my life. It never mattered to me. I still went to work. I had my income. I had my house and family and everything else is there. What does non-duel do with my life, tell me? Why should we bother about things if there is nothing to do with my life, isn't it? He says, oh, that is a black hole. Let it maybe. It doesn't matter to me whether it's there or not. Millions of things are there in the universe which will be fascinating, but that's okay. I mean, uh, doesn't matter to me. Is this non-duality one of those things which is like a black hole which is with which I'm unconcerned? Says no, it is very important. Why? So next verse says here. Svalpamapyantaram kritva Jivatma Paramatmano Yasantishthati Muratma Bhayantasya Vibhashitam Svalpam Abhyantaram Kutva You create in a slight difference, a slight duality. You know what? Jivatma Paramatmanoho I am Jivatma and that is Paramatma or Brahman. So Jivatma, individual self. Paramatma, the limitless self. Or Brahman. So what does it matter whether Brahman I am myself or what does it matter? How does it affect my life? He says when you create even a slight duality distance between yourself and Brahman, He says, you create this. I didn't create, you create. 
बिकॉज परमात्मा इज हैपन्स टू बी जीवात्मा जीवात्मा हैपन्स टू बी परमात्मा जीवात्मा इज इंडिविजुअल सेल्फ हैपन्स टू बी यूनिवर्सल सेल्फ हैपन्स टू बी लिमिटलेस हैपन्स टू बी ब्रह्मन हैपन्स टू बी दी सब्सटेड बाय यूनिवर्स इट इज लाइंग दिस पार्ट क्रीन डिस्टेंस विथ क्ले इमेजिन वॉट विल हैपन टू पॉइंट वॉट इज इन मैथ वेर इंसिस That means thought is creating a distance with. It's creating. It's not there. Thought does not have any distance with the clay. But for the thought to insist that I am different, independent of clay, that means thought is creating a distance with the clay only in the mind. But that is enough. See, what is does not matter. What I think is what matters. What is the rope? I think it is snake. That's what matters to me, not what is. Unfortunately, if what is matter, then all of us would have been wonderful. Because what is this Brahman? What is this limitless? No, no. What I think that I'm limited. That's what matters. So Upanishad says. यदा यदाख्यवैशेतस्मदरवंतरण कूर्दे अथ तस्ंग फ्रम दि तैत्रोपनिषद यदाशर्सन दिस इग्नरेंट पर्सन एक ब्रह्मन इन ट्रूथ उदरवंतरम कूर्दे क्रिएट्स ए स्लाइट स्प्लिट विद मै सेल्फ एंड ब्रह्मन और मै सेल्फ एंड परमात्मा यू नो वॉट इट मीन्स I am creating distance with myself. Then this part thinks that I don't care. I am different from clay. And you know what I'm saying? It is creating a split within its own self. When you create split, then what happens? You you feel isolated because what gives you security is clay. And the part proclaims his independence of clay. Then it has no basis at all. is no support it becomes what supportless isolated moment that distance is created immediately there is a sense of isolation where there is isolation there is fear so upanishad says yada khevaishe tasmin udaramantaram kurushe the ignorant person creates in a slight difference slight duality immediately fear comes to him. So it is nice that we are living our life, Swamiji. Vedanta has nothing to contribute as to our professional career and this and that. But Vedanta is to contribute to your happiness. So you are living life all right. Are you living a happy life? Please tell me. Yes, Swamiji. Look at it closely. No, so I mean, there are conflicts not out in my mind. Also, there are anxieties, and all the stresses are there, anxieties there, worries are there, misunderstanding is there, quarrel is there, fighting is there. That is there. Ah, that is where Vedanta comes. Other things are able to do anyway. That Vedanta doesn't. It's not required to become a doctor or a lawyer or engineer. Do that. The world will teach you. 
How to become happy? How to stay away from it? Because we are creating unhappiness, therefore. There is no such thing as unhappiness or sorrow. We are creating sorrow for ourselves. So Vedanta teaches, what makes me create sorrow for myself? And therefore, how to stop creating sorrow? That's all. To stop creating sorrow, there is no sorrow. If someone created sorrow for me, then I can't help it, you understand? If sorrow was created by somebody or something other than me, then I have to live with it. Prabhupada says, I am creating sorrow for myself. And what's the reason? The reason is simple. By creating a split between myself and Paramatma, myself and myself. Then who becomes the cause? Then I am. What becomes the cause of my fear? I become the cause of my fear. You know, standard example of rope snake. See, when I look at when I my person the object is snake, then I am afraid. What causes fear? Tell me. The perception of snake causes fear in me. What causes fear in me? The rope causes fear in me. Understand this. Well, what is this rope? But by creating distance with the rope and calling a snake, there is no real snake to cause the fear. Ultimately, it is the rope that causes fear on account of wrongly understanding the rope. Similarly, it is self or I alone causes fear on account of wrongly understanding the self as different from Brahman, as different from the limitless. Udaramantaram kurate atatasyabhayam bhavati So Upanishad explains as to how all the fear arises from duality. Dvitiyadvai bhayam bhavati Whether it is dvitiya or duality, mutual exclusion, then the fear arises. <coughs> so says, Svalpamapi antaram kurtva jivatma paramatmano ho svalpamapi antaram kurtva jivatma paramatmano madhye between the two jivatma and paramatma you create a slight distance between yourself and Ishwara. When I worship Lord Krishna, then also looking upon Lord Krishna as different from myself, also causes all the uneasiness. As long as Bhagavan also is different from me, so long uneasiness is always there. And Kurtva, Kalpaitva, it is not that Bhagavan is different from me, but I create that difference by calling myself an individual being and then I create the distance. So this distance or duality is effectively created by me by perceiving myself as confined to this body-mind-sense complex. So krutva kalpaitva, so one who lives his life creating a sense of duality or division or separatedness or exclusion, then whatever I exclude becomes the source of fear for me. 
Rudhanika say that if you exclude the world, the world will exclude you. Yasan Tishthati Muratma Bhayam Tashyavi Mahasidam. Therefore, this perception of non-dual is extremely important. Then only we can really become free from fear. And fear stands for all mental afflictions. So fear is a representative. Stands for all mental afflictions, all the sadness or sorrow. This duality is the only cause of all unhappiness in our life. We have created. A person also can cause my unhappiness provided person is different from me, isn't it? If I look upon X as different from me and myself different from X, then X can cause me whatever. Then I will keep on judging whether this fellow likes me or not, I like him or not, and what he does is right or not. No. This question doesn't arise in I. In non-I the question arises. So that is the reason why Vedanta is so important. In order to become free from sorrow. This knowledge only means because all sorrow is created from ignorance. If sorrow or unhappiness had any reason other than ignorance, then knowledge alone would not be enough. Ignorance also is there and this, you know, my friend also is there, enemy is also there, XY also is there. Then merely knowledge will not remove the sorrow. But Vedanta says all sorrow is created merely from ignorance. And as long as ignorance remains of the self, so long it will not be regardless of what you do. Only self-knowledge will remove the cause of all sorrow. So Vedanta teaches how to become free from sorrow. And when sorrow goes, the ānanda manifests. So that is the reason why this knowledge becomes so important. In fact, it becomes indispensable. One cannot live a comfortable life without this knowledge. <coughs> okay, we'll continue. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Guruatmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vatvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Naman Om Shantishantishantihi Hari Om Shri Guru Pyo Naman Hari Om